119. Psalms 119, verse number 165. If you're there, say Amen. Of course, the psalmist David is writing. He said this, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Let's read it one more time just for purpose sake. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing, that's strong words, nothing shall offend them. Let's pray together. Please pray for me and I'll do my best to preach what God's put on my heart. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you, Lord, one more time. God, thank you for the good opportunity. Uh, Lord, that you've granted us to be in your house. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that's been sang. Thank you for the good congregational. I pray, God, that you'd be with us tonight. Lord, there's many not here. Uh, God, we're, we're absent, seems like, in body. And, uh, Lord, concerning many folks. But, Lord, we thank you, uh, God, for those who are here tonight. We thank you, Lord, most of all, that uh, you take time out of eternity to come by and spend time with us. And, uh, Lord, to teach us. And, Lord, to lead us. And charge us, change us. Lord, thank you. Uh, God, that you're interested in just one soul. I pray tonight that you'd give me unction and power. I pray, God, that you'd give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech. I pray, dear God, Lord, that the Word of God would go forth. And, Lord, it would lodge in the hearts of your people. And, God, that we'd be better than we are uh, when we go away than we were when we came. Lord, please do what only you can do in this place for these people at this time. And for what you do, we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name and for his sake. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. You may be seated tonight. Quickly tonight, if I could briefly, by way of introduction, I want to say it is here in Psalm chapter 119 where uh, we find the longest psalm in the entire book of the Psalms. Uh, may I say this chapter is divided, uh, scholars say, into 22 parts according to the number of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And each part uh, uh, consists of eight verses, and there is a total of 176 verses in Psalms 119. Why would you say all that? Well, I believe that verse number 165 uh, is up there right at the top of the list in those uh, of most importance. Now listen, every word that God writes is, is important. Uh, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and was and is profitable for a doctrine reproof and and I understand there's not one verse in here that is not important but if I uh, could go to one verse that I think uh, uh, would help each and every Christian in the room tonight and all over the world I believe uh, uh, Psalm 119 165 could get the job done where the psalmist David pins uh, uh, the most important the most important verses in the entire chapter he said great peace have they uh, which love thy law and nothing uh, shall offend them uh, may I say what a verse tonight uh, can I say we're living in the most uh, offended generation that's ever walked on planet earth uh, somebody gonna have to help me tonight uh, not only is this uh, the most offended generation I believe but it's the most easily offended generation uh, that we have ever lived on and in on this side of heaven. My friend, 
I'm here to tell you tonight uh, that, that the truth uh, is no longer wanted. It's rejected uh, by the majority of men. Uh, the Bible said in the latter times and in those end days they would come uh, uh, having ears, itching ears, uh, and they'd come and uh, they would desire teachers uh, among them. You know what teaching does? Uh, uh, my friend, teaching tells you uh, information, tells you what to do, uh, uh, but preaching puts what has been said into action. Is there anybody here on a Wednesday night uh, that can look back over your life uh, and it was the preaching of the Word of God uh, uh, that made a difference in you. Uh, it put action into uh, uh, the words that you've been heard, uh, that you heard by the Lord. Uh, it done something. It made you move and made you respond uh, uh, because of the Word of God. May I say the Word of God still quick and it's still powerful and it's still sharper than any two-edged sword uh, uh, dividing and cutting the soul asunder. Uh, my friend, we're living in days uh, uh, where the truth uh, has done nothing for many folks uh, uh, but offend them and set them apart from the bride and the body of Christ. You know the Bible, I preached this a while back. Did you know doctrine in the Bible, I can show it to you, does not divide. Everybody thinks that doctrine divides. Actually, it does not divide, it unifies. Can I say we're all here tonight on a common ground because of doctrine? Doctrine don't divide. The only division that's caused from doctrine is from those who neglect and reject it. Uh, can I say tonight, David pins right here in uh, the Psalm uh, 119, uh, great peace, great peace have they which love thy law. You know what he's saying, my friend? Uh, he's saying ain't nobody got joy like a Bible-believing child of God. He's saying ain't nobody can go through storms and trials uh, like those who believe uh, and live the Word of God. A great peace have they which love thy law. What's his law? It's it's from Genesis to Revelation. My friend, from beginning to end, from the very first word to the last, can I say it is our duty as children of God to fall in love with the words and the ways and the will of God. My friend, we're so guilty, especially in this day and hour, of taking one or two verses that we enjoy or we like and we'll live off those verses and for Forget about the rest of them that cut us and the rest of them that convict us, my friend. Uh, if you learn to love it all, uh, the promise is you will live a life of great peace. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Can I say this tonight? I've been told this several times over the last seven years. Well, I don't know old brother John, he just looked too hard for me. His preaching is just a little too straight for me. Let me give you some examples of what Bible preaching is and those who've done it in the Bible. Can I, first of all, can I say this? If you think I'm hard to deal with, you'd have never made it if Jesus was your pastor. Are y'all with me tonight? I, I know the crowd's down and the weather's bad and we're all doom and gloom, been cold and stuck in the house for a week and you're just running out of bread and milk, but it'll be all right. 
Can I say tonight, if Jesus Christ in the flesh would would stand in this pulpit each and every Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday, there'd be a whole bunch of people, not just in this church, but in every church around the country that would have to find somewhere else to go because His preaching was too straight and too hard. Let me give you some examples. Y'all want to turn a little bit in your Bibles tonight? Let's turn a little bit. Let's go to the book of Matthew. I want to show you some things. I'm going to get the message directly, but before I do, I want to show you a few things. Let's go to the book of Matthew in chapter number 4. Matthew in chapter number 4. I want you to understand something. This, The preaching that I do and the way that I preach is not just something I googled or heard or read in a book. I have a pattern. Jesus is the pattern, obviously. And then next to Him in the New Testament, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul. But in Matthew chapter number 4, I want you to read with me in verse number 17. Now, if you got a red letter Bible, uh, it shows you these are the words of Christ. We understand they all are. But these are the words literally spoken spoken and pinned down that the Lord Jesus spoke out of His own mouth. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 17. He's preaching here. And in verse number 17, He said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to... uh, Excuse me, I'm in the wrong one. Chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, The Bible says this, From that time Jesus began to preach and say, Look here, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I can't tell you the times that I've been told, Brother Josh, all that repenting preaching, all that repentance and repentance and repentance, uh, that's outdated. That's old school. People don't want to hear that no more. Uh, People don't want to hear about repenting and making things right uh, between God and them and between maybe them and someone else. I mean... I mean, I've been told over and over and over that repentance will drive them away. Look at here, neighbor. Uh, God didn't call me to build a crowd uh, or to draw one or to please one. But I've been called and commissioned and commanded and I feel constricted to preach the Word of God. And repentance is part of the message of Christ. Go with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to turn a little bit. Matthew chapter number 12 and verse number 34. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 34. When you get there, say amen. Amen. The Bible, again, talking of Jesus, this is the words from His own lips. He's preaching and teaching. Here's what He said. He said, Oh, generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know what He calls these people? He calls them snakes and vipers. Somebody said, Preach, you ought not call names. I agree. I probably shouldn't. Some of them I say. But listen, if the Bible names, hey, ain't nothing I can do about the word hypocrite and Pharisee. Ain't thing in the word I can do about somebody being labeled as rebellious or uh, somebody being labeled uh, as a devil. Are you listening tonight? I mean the fact is we're still dealing with the same wicked mankind sinful flesh today that Jesus was. If there was vipers then you'd better know honey there's a whole pit full of snakes now. Jesus is preaching. Look at Matthew 
16, verse number 23. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. Matthew 16, verse number 23. Again, Jesus is dealing with one of His own. Uh, he's dealing with, with the Apostle Peter, one of the twelve. I mean, one of the one of the finest preachers that ever walked planet Earth. I'm talking about the man that preached Pentecost and thousands got saved. Look what Jesus says to him in Matthew 16, 23. The Bible said, but he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. You know what, what the Lord Jesus had to say to Peter? He said, you ain't nothing but the devil. All you're concerned about is the ways of the world and what men think and how you're going to fit in and you won't think and consider and have the mind of Christ and live and walk and talk and breathe in righteousness. He calls him Satan. Now, if I was preaching and dealt with somebody's sin and called them Satan, I think it's safe to say that probably be the first and the last time they ever let me say that to them. Shouldn't be that way if it's done Holy Ghost in the Holy Ghost. But we have reached a place where we no longer believe that the pastor or any preacher for that matter should preach things that offend us. Can I say this tonight? If you'll love the law and walk in it and live in it let it live in you, nothing shall offend you. Look with me one other place. Matthew 23. I'm going to walk you through just a little bit of Christ's preaching and a little bit of Paul's preaching. And then I'll get back to Psalms 119 and give you the message. Matthew 23. Look in verse number 1. Matthew chapter 23, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. The Bible said, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit uh, in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their uh, big word and enlarge the borders of their garments. Verse 6. And love the uppermost room at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. Verse 7. And greetings in the markets and to be called of men Rabbi, Rabbi, but ye, but be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father. That blows Catholicism out. Call no man your father. May I say the Pope's not the father Jesus is. Somebody say amen. Neither, verse 10, be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted but woe unto you scribes and Pharisees uh, and hypocrites for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for neither for you neither go in yourselves neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in woe unto you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites for you devour widows houses and for a pretense make long prayer therefore you shall receive 
receive the greater damnation. Verse 15, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you can pass the sea and land to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you would make him twofold, more the child of hell than yourselves. Verse 16, Woe unto you, you blind gates, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. Verse 17, Ye fools and blind. Verse number... 19 ye fools and blind uh, can I say tonight verse number 23 woe unto you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites for you pay tithe of mint verse number 24 ye blind guides which strain at a night and swallow a camel verse 25 woe unto you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites for you make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter but within they are full of excess extortion and excess verse 26 thou blind Pharisee cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter that the outside of them may be clean also verse 27 woe unto you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites for ye are like unto whited sepulchres which indeed appear beautiful outward but are within full of dead men's bones and all of all uncleanness even so also out Outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Verse 29, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous. May I say all throughout this thing, verse number 33, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. I mean, all throughout the scriptures, especially here in Matthew's gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ is beginning to rear back and preach. Uh, my friend, he ain't holding nothing back. Uh, he's calling them. He says over and over and over, uh, Woe unto you, scribes uh, and Pharisees and hypocrites. Uh, he calls them all three. He calls them snakes. Uh, he says, Y'all look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Uh, you look polished on the outside, but the inside's full of poison. Uh, you look righteous on the outside but the inside's full of ruin uh, my friend you talking about somebody uh, that would rear back and preach uh, and did not preach for politics uh, did not preach for a pat on the back uh, or for popularity he wanted the word of God to go forth uh, and lodge in the hearts of his people and change them uh, from the inside out uh, my friend that kind of preaching Bible preaching. If you're not in love with God and His Word, uh, it'll greatly offend you. Uh, oh, but may I remind you, great peace uh, have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That's pretty. I'd like to have been there that, them, them times, wouldn't you? I'd like to have been there. I bet I would have got a little uncomfortable. Just like you would have. Because Here's what we know. When he began to deal with them Pharisees on the outside looks good, the inside don't. 
That's hitting everybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you pray, read your Bible, study, preach, teach, sing in the choir. It don't matter to me. We've all got a problem with S-I-N, sin. And we've all got a problem with S-E-L-F, self. Are you with me? We've all got a problem with sin. And we've all got a problem with self. We, we polish it up good. We make it look good. But the fact is tonight, my friend, I got to thinking how God moved. Last Saturday night in that service, I mean, we, were, we had the... The pews were full and uh, people was here and people was participating and boy, God blew through. Uh, uh, my friend, I thank God for those times. Uh, uh, but may I say they don't come uh, uh, when the pastor fails uh, uh, to stand and preach the Word of God. Uh, the only way that we can rejoice is if we're righteous and the only way we can endure uh, is if we've made an everlasting promise uh, from our soul unto our Savior uh, that I will follow the Word of God. Uh, I'll live by the Word of God. I'll not only read the Bible, but the Bible, I'll open my heart and let it read me. Listen to me tonight. We're so opinionated in this hour and in this day. I mean, the preacher preaches something that crosses somebody wrong. What do they do? They don't repent. They relocate. They'll move down the road somewhere where the preaching's not as hard. And eventually, somebody or something will offend them there. And they'll move on again. May I say tonight, if we'd really get our hearts right with God uh, and we'd grow to love the Word of God and we'd conform to the Word, uh, not get a Word that conforms to us, we would live in the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Y'all want to read some more? I never preach like this. I'm a text preacher, but I am tonight. Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to show you something about the Apostle Paul. I ain't even give you my title yet. I will. 2 Corinthians. I want to go to chapter 3, first of all. 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. Talk about those who are offended. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look with me in verse number 12. Now, this is dealing with the Apostle Paul, his teachings and his preachings. I want you to see how Paul's preaching was. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. If you're there, say amen. We're going to read it all just for sake of time. But he says in verse 12, Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. You know what Paul was? He was a black and white preacher. You either in or out, you either right or wrong, you either saved or lost. Is anybody with me? He was very plain. Can I say, if we've ever lived in a day that has avoided and shined plainness in their preaching, it is the day and the hour in which we're living now. I mean, people that try every way in the world, preachers are the world's worst for trying to dodge certain things and run around certain things and say things just the right way so people won't get offended by it. Hey, I got news for you. That Bible ought to bring us some some stop lights and some stop signs into your life where you have to stop and evaluate. Paul's preaching was plain. It was with plainness. But number two, I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I'll show you something else about Paul's preaching. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 10. If you're there, say amen. For his letters, it's the messages that he wrote to the seven churches to the churches there. The Bible said in verse number 10, 2 Corinthians 10, 10, For His letters say they are weighty and powerful, 
But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. How was Paul's preaching? Well, first of all, Paul's preaching was preaching of, with plainness. And then secondly, it was preaching with contemptibleness. How can I say the definition of that word is this? Worthy of content. That deserves scorn or disdain or despicable. Listen now, that word contemptible, look it up and you go home. It is literally defined as mean and vile. It's quiet tonight, ain't it? Literally, the Word of God said when Paul preached, his words were of contempt. They were contemptible. You know what everybody said about Paul? He's so mean. Paul was a man of God. Paul was the real deal. They ain't a greater outside of Jesus and John the Baptist than the Apostle Paul. Matter of fact, Paul was that apostle that God rose up. He sat Peter down in Acts chapter number 9. He sat Peter down on a rooftop with Simon the Tanner. And in the very same time that he set the apostle Peter down with Simon the Tanner, he resurrected and raised up the apostle Paul. You know what the apostle Peter was? He was the apostle to the Jew. And you know what the apostle Paul was? He was the apostle to the Gentile. And so when the Jew had rejected God and the Son of God over and over and over. God set their preacher down and resurrected the preacher to come to reach you and me, the Gentile, those who are not Jews. I mean, Paul's our preacher. He was the preacher to the Gentile. And his preaching was with plainness and with contemptibleness. But Paul's preaching was also, look in chapter 11, in verse number 6. Paul says, But though I be... Rude in speech, yet not in knowledge, but when we have been thoroughly made manifest among you in all things. Paul's preaching was not only with plainness and contemptibleness, it was with rudeness. <laughs> Brother Teddy, this is just a big old horse pill. If you don't like it, you ain't going to swallow it, but it's Bible. Now, am I saying I've got a right to get up and be an arrogant jerk? Absolutely not. It's not what I'm saying. But Bible preaching, taking in the flesh. Listen to me. Uh, preaching, when you preach the Bible and the preacher's preaching in the Spirit, but you're hearing by and through the flesh, it'll come off as rude and mean. Uh, it'll come off as offensive. It's why, why in the world are we living in a day where people are offended by the Word of God? Same reason Paul said, I've been called rude. I've been called mean all because I'm a black and white yes or no right and wrong preacher. Amen. If you come in here listening with the ears of man and the heart of flesh, you're going to get offended. Amen. But if you come in right with God, look for God, want to be right with God, listening spiritually. By the way, I ain't got time. Man, my mind's going everywhere. I ain't got time, but you know the anointing's not just for preaching. Did you know, and I can prove to you in the Bible, that there is such a thing as anointed listening. In the Old Testament, you know what the priest, the high priest would do? They would sacrifice, do all these things, and then they would take the blood and the oil and they would tip the ears of men. The Bible said to anoint and enlighten, spiritually enlighten their hearing. How many of y'all know there's a great difference in hearing the Word of God in the flesh and hearing the Word of God from within the Spirit? Let me say something. If it comes to 
that book, the Holy Ghost that lives within you is the same one that inspired the book. He'll never disagree with His Word. He'll never get offended by His own Word. He'll never refuse or reject His own Word. The reason you can sit under Bible preaching and not get help but rather get offended is because you're not listening with spiritual intentions but you're here in the flesh and you listen in the flesh and you live in the flesh and you walk in the flesh and you'll fall in the flesh. That's exactly right. Paul's preaching was with plainness, contemptibleness, rudeness. Look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. It's just all introduction. Ain't that a blessing? Look in verse 10. 2 Corinthians 13, 10. Therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. Paul, uh, his preachings with plainness, contemptibleness, rudeness, but then we find it is with sharpness. That definition uh, of the word sharpness means this, keenness or of an edge or a point. It is literally defined the Webster's 1828 as the sharpness of a razor or dart. Uh, Paul's preaching would cut you. Are you with me? Uh, it was with sharpness. It was a, as a razor's edge, my friend. Uh, uh, it was a sharpness. Uh, uh, it caused pain. Uh, it means severity of pain or affliction as the sharpness of pain, grief, or anguish. It means painfulness, afflictiveness as the sharpness or calamity. Uh, Paul was labeled all kinds of things, but my friend, the Word of God said when Paul preached it would cut you. Why have you said all that? Well, because we have entered a generation that thinks what I'm doing is just a style. No, I'm not. This is not a style. This is Bible preaching. Amen. Let me tell you something. Jesus got red faced sweated and spit just like Paul, just like them Old Testament prophets. The Bible said they thundered with a loud voice. My friend, if preaching ain't going to move me and if it don't excite me and stir me, I ain't no way under God's green earth that's ever going to help you. My friend, it's Bible preaching in these last days that are causing and is causing more offense than anything else. Why is that? Well, we're living in the last days where they're heaping to themselves Teachers having itching ears. People don't want this. You want to know why? This makes sinners and saints who are in sin uncomfortable. And what do they do, Brother Caleb? Instead of responding and getting things right, they just get offended. They get offended. Can I say this? The sad reality of the churches of today that I'm talking about, our church, another like-minded church, is that 99% of the people would absolutely refuse to sit under Jesus Christ or the Apostle Paul as their pastor. Amen. You know what they'd say about Paul? He's too rude for me. He's too sharp for me. He's too contemptible for me. He's too plain for me. He, he's just outright mean preacher. You don't understand. I mean, it, he points his finger right at me when he's preaching. Hey, that's what he's supposed to do. You want preaching or not? We're living in a day and hour. That's a pretty good question. Do you want a preacher or do you want somebody to get up and give you a pep talk? Now, preaching will edify. Sure it will. But you've got to remember, this is where we're going to fix it to go. There's three parts to preaching. The Bible said preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. A, number one, reprove, rebuke, and then exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. 
We're living in the day of exhortation, but they forgot about reproof and rebuke. So if the Lord will help me, we're going to go back and uh, to Psalms 119. You can go ahead and flip there. And here's my thought. I've been preaching 30 minutes. Give me just a few more and I'll be done. Are you all ready for my thought? Tonight I'm preaching on this subject. Cry baby Christianity. Ain't that fitting? Cry baby Christianity. You know what we got our churches full of? Cry babies. Well, I just don't like the way he said that. I just don't know about all that preaching, that doctrine. Cry babies. Cry baby Christianity. There's people sitting here tonight. You're good folks. You're faithful to church. But there's been something along the last seven years I've preached, said, or done. You know what you went and did? You went home and you was a big crybaby. You might as well say, Amen. I've been a crybaby. Amen. I can't tell you the times the preachers put the crosshairs on me, shot, and it hurt, man. He hit me and it hurt, and I cried. Crybaby. Christianity. Psalms 119. We're going to read it again. Verse number 165. <clears throat> I only got two points, if that makes you encouraged. The Bible said in Psalms 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Can I say something about crybaby Christianity? Is this stupid thing flashing? Would you please, for the love of God and Moses and everybody else in the Bible, turn it off. That thing's possessed by the devil. We need somebody to get up there and take, just take them out. Cry baby Christianity. Y'all with me? Look at verse 165. Number one, cry baby Christianity will rob you of satisfaction. It will rob you. Y'all, I need amen or something right here. It will rob you of satisfaction. What do you mean? Well, the Bible said there in one, verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law. Can I say something about crybaby Christians? They don't know anything about peace. Uh, can I say this tonight? Those who love God and love His Word are easy to get along with. People that love God and love His Word are easy to preach to. People that love God and love His Word are easy to counsel. People that love God, look here now, stay with me, and love His Word are easy to correct. Amen. Ain't nothing like sitting down having to do some correction. And the other side of the table, whoever it is, say, okay, that'll work. I'm sorry. Won't do it again. Where'd that go? People now want to fuss and cuss and fight and feud and burn the church down. And I mean, God have mercy. We're living in crazy days. Why? Well, we got a bunch of crybabies. <laughs> Didn't go my way. Preacher stepped on my toes. I'm just going, I'm just going to sit up here and cry about it. Cry, baby Christians. Cry baby Christianity. The Bible said, Great peace have they which love thy law. May I say though those who love the Lord, love the law, love the word of God are the people that have abundant satisfaction. They're content. They're happy in doing whatever duty God has given to them. They take pleasure when they look over their life and say, Hey, I'm not a song, a singer, I'm not a preacher, a teacher, or none of the above, but I'm just glad to be saved and sitting in a church pew. I'm glad to be on the membership roll, still water back to church. I'm glad my name's in heaven. I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I mean, they've got great peace because they love the Lord and they love the law of the Lord. Crybaby Christianity will rob you of great satisfaction. I say this peace will never be found by the world. 
And the world can never give this peace that it's talking about, great peace. The world can never give it. Listen, listen right here's some good news for you. This peace from God, the world can't take it away unless you give it to them. The devil cannot rob you of peace unless you give it to him. You remember that message I preached on neither give place to the devil? He only gets what we give him. God's peace does not leave unless you let go of it. My friend, great peace have they which love thy law. Cry baby Christians uh, instead of conforming to the word of God, they cry about it. Instead of conforming to what the pastor says uh, and what he preaches, they cry about it. They don't know a thing in the blessed world about having peace. They're always crying, upset, moody, mad, Sad, bitter. Are y'all with me? Those who love the law of God may be in great troubles, valleys, situations, or scenarios, but they do so without having to fight to survive. They just have peace. And y'all know what it's like to go through something that, man, it should have took you down, but you was right with the Lord and you sailed through it. And then there's other times when you've not been right with the Lord and you've been far away that some of the similar things come your way and it almost sank you and you thought you was going to die and didn't ever think you was going to get another breath and said, God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you at? What's the difference? Well, you're in love with God doing the right thing, in love with His Word, walking with Him, talking with Him. You can have peace in the storm. But when you're constantly offended or being a crybaby, that peace is far from you. You don't have satisfaction. Secondly, not only will crybaby Christianity rob you of satisfaction, number two, it'll rob you of stability. You are unstable if you're a crybaby Christian. (laughs) I mean, son, I've had some that are ticking time bombs. I'm scared to move around them. Why? They're crybabies. I ain't being ugly or mean. Paul was rude, so I can be rude. That's a joke. You're supposed to laugh. Or crybabies. Crybaby Christianity. Where do you get that? Verse number 165. Great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace. That's You're robbing yourself of satisfaction. Then it goes on to say, and nothing shall offend them. You know what they have? Stability. They're unmovable. The whole church can go stupid. They ain't leaving. The preacher can say or do something stupid. They ain't leaving. So and so can talk about them, do them wrong. They ain't leaving. They're not offended by nothing. They're stable. They have roots and they have structure and stability. Nothing shall offend them. These people, those who love the Lord and love the law of God, not only are they satisfied, but they're stable. They have stability. They're safe. They have a security. Why? Because nothing shall offend them. If the preacher gets up and blasts something that's in their life, they're not upset about it. If they're really right with God and they love the Lord and love His Word, they don't take... Listen, look, 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 look. Don't take everything personal. I've had to sit down a hundred times over seven years over something. I've sat or done and so and so's upset because they took it personal. It's not personal unless you make it that way. Nothing shall offend them. I mean, I'm serious to God. I've preached on things and not even whoever got upset and crybabied wasn't even on my mind. That's the God's on hand before heaven truth. I know you talk about me. Oh, I wouldn't. And then you got to sit and try to convince them that you're not lying. 
I wasn't talking to you. I love what Brother Mark Stroud said in that revival back in summer. He said, hey, neighbor, if the shoe fits, wear it. I, can't, I don't know everything about you people. I don't want to know everything about you people. I, and I don't want you to know everything about me. But when God the Holy Ghost deals with something, hey, don't cry about it. You're gonna, you have no stability as long as you're constantly offended. It won't take much for it to uproot you out of your pew and send you down the highway because you didn't like the way something was done. Or How about this? This ain't an issue here. But how about this? Didn't like the way the pastor or, or so-and-so in the church, the things they've done physically. Y'all, y'all ever seen, heard about church splits over the color of the carpet? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Or what brand toilet paper they use. Or ugly pictures. You want to know why there's no weird, freaky looking pictures of Jesus? Because first of all, we don't even know what He looks like. First of all. Come on, I see that right there. Offended some of you already. I can feel it. Hey, offended. Let me just, while I'm out here, just let me tell you, he's not white. Amen. And he don't have long, effeminate hair, and his jawbones are not sunk in, and he does not look feminine. He doesn't look, that's not who hung on that cross, bled, and died for your sin. Amen. And there has been knocked down, drag out deacons fighting, kicking pastors out of the church over, uh, over the pastor saying, hey, I don't want that picture in here. Now, why in the world would that offend someone? Cry to the babies. My daddy pastor when I was a boy, and he got up and was talking. He said, what would happen, church? Man, it was awful. Run by tradition, deacons, it was a mess. If I got up and took that picture off the wall, right in the middle of service, the deacon stood up and he said, you get whooped. You think I'm lying. Or he said, you lie to get whooped. And Dad said, that's the problem with this place. Tradition. You know some people are so faithful to church not because they love God. It's tradition. And if they don't sing their favorite singer ever service, they're mad. And if the preacher goes somewhere that they know they don't necessarily agree on, they're mad. And if the, if the singer gets up and don't sing the right song, they're mad. And if so-and-so don't shake their hand, they're mad. And if the pastor forgets to stand at the back door and shake their hand, they're mad. I've never done that. Don't plan on starting. I don't have to shake everybody's shake their hand. I don't want all y'all's boogers and everything else all over me. But people get mad. I literally say, I've been asked, not many times, but a few. But Josh, I spoke to you, why you didn't speak back? You didn't shake my hand. You didn't come over and hug me. Why? So I didn't want to. Oh my God. Uh-huh. What do you mean? I, 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 I hollered for you to come here and talk to me, and you didn't. Why not? Because I didn't want to talk to you. I had stuff to do. I got to get search started. Because I knew when I went over there, it's going to be a crybaby for 15 minutes right before I got to get up and preach. Amen. I mean, and that you know what? That bothers people. Because they that's all they can see. They don't see that the, the, the Bible is being preached and the choir sings with the power of God. They don't see all that. They see what they want to see because they're selfish. And they're not spiritual. I can't tell you, just in the last month, I've been asking, can I sing? I said, no. No, not tonight. Why not? Because the Lord didn't lay on my heart to sing. Until he does, you're not singing. 
Amen. People don't like that, Brother Caleb. But I'm not just getting somebody up to have karaoke night. Amen. Get a copy of our bylaws constitution. And, and you it's in our bylaws that you in service are not supposed to. It's happened. But you're not supposed to request, hey, Brother Josh, it's on my heart. Can Brother Shelby sing? Don't do that. Why? Because me and Brother Shelby might know that he's fallen back and been drunk for six weeks. You don't know it. Nobody else knows it. But he's fallen back and been smoking dope again. Come on. And he's still here. And I've not made it a scene. But we're trying to work through something. He ain't a bit right with God. But because he sings a song you like you were praying. I ain't doing that mess. Amen. Somebody say, can so and so sing? I, anybody wants to say, I'm more than glad to let you. But I have some stipulations. This ain't a circus. Look up here and listen to me. If you ain't saved, you ain't saved. Amen. That's right. Period. How are you going to get up and sing about Jesus you don't know? Come on, somebody. I'm not being mean. What, what, Brother Josh, why don't you let so-and-so say they got to get saved before they say Amen. You're right. You don't have to be faithful to church. Don't get up and think you're going to minister to the church when you ain't here half the time. And you're going to sing. You ain't singing nothing. Amen. My sister Moses around comes in or misses Sunday school. Guess what? Her butt ain't getting on the platform that day. That's her. If you can't be faithful to Sunday school, you ain't singing today. People don't like that. You know what they get? That's my sister. She gets by with a lot more than some. She probably shouldn't. But I'll say things, correct her, and she, you know what she'll do? She'll call me stuff like, butthole. <laughs> You're a butthole. No, I'm a pastor. And this church, I'm not, I'm not changing for her, or her, or him, or the rest of my family. This, this, is a, this is a real deal. This is a real church that will really held accountable. There is a standard. I mean, she come in the other night. My God didn't even know it, but I, I called on her to sing. She come around getting dressed. Did y'all see that? She come around the back pew putting her stinking skirt on. I thought, what in the name of God's wrong with you, woman? I mean, Lord have mercy, you know I'm more likely going to ask you to do something. Just put your skirt on before you get in there. God in heaven. Hey, by the way, reminder, ain't no church like this church. We ain't nothing but a bunch of, I can't tell you what we are. I can't tell you. I said I was going to do better about name calling. I can't call us what we are. Special. If you join this church, or want to join this church, listen, I'm going to bust your bubble. You ain't a bit normal. Ain't nothing in the world normal about you. You crazy. Amen. Amen. We had men's breakfast. I'm getting off subject, but it's good. And lightens the mood up. We had men's breakfast. And somebody, oh, Brother Eric said, man, he said, you know, Brother Sean, y'all joined church. He said, man, I really like you. He said, I'm just glad somebody normal joined the church. I said, stop, stop. Right to Brother Sean. I said, that man ain't a bit normal. Ain't no way. Deacon, ain't no way he's normal. He said it's pretty normal to me. I said, he signed up to join Stillwater. He's next. <laughs> Somehow, there's something wrong with him. We well, ain't found it out yet. You know what he did? He's such a good sport. He said, yeah, I ain't normal. <laughs> I said, hey, I told you, you can't be normal. 
What are you saying? I'm just trying to let y'all know we are a bunch of mis misfits. Yeah, that's right. I ain't Can you imagine putting me in the First Baptist Church of Corbin? Oh my God, they had me locked up. First time I said somebody was being stupid or a moron or, or mentioned something about, yeah, man, they kicked me out there quicker than I could get my food back off the ground. But what we have here, though, the Lord really loves us and He uses this place to minister to us the way it needs done. So what are you trying to say, Brother Josh? I'm trying to bring it all back to this. Don't let things offend you. Don't be easily offended. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. Great peace. May I ask you a question? I need participation. Some of y'all checked out on me when I talked about Kayla getting dressed. You left right then. Let me ask you a serious question. Who in here desires to have great, real, genuine, godly, great peace in your life? Anybody want that? What's the answer to that? Great peace have they which love thy law. If you'll fall in love with this, Brother Caleb, this other part will work itself out. When you love this, you'll have great peace and nothing shall offend you. How many of y'all want to live that way where stuff don't... How many of y'all stay bothered about things you wish you didn't? Shelby has told me a thousand times, why does that, why does that bother me so bad? I said, Man, I don't know. Why does that bother me? You know what? I'm be, can I... Can I, can I can, 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 tonight... Spoke in tongues three times right there. Can tonight be confession night? You know what I've been for... What is today? The 20th or something? 19th. For 19 days of 2022, can I tell you what I've been? Bothered. There's so much goofiness going on. So many people, I don't know what they're doing, what they're thinking. And most of it, you know what it is? I'm just going to be honest with you. And some of you sitting, it's crybaby Christianity. That's what it is. I can't get into the details of all of it. I don't want to. But there's so many things. 15... I think I wrote them down. Of course, I'm not going to name them. Fifteen things within the last, I think, two weeks in our church that's been brought to me. Fifteen. Fifteen. Somebody was looking, well, I didn't know he's had, you know, because I try not to let you know. Amen. Say amen. Because we're real people with real problems. And it's not everybody's business. Amen. But listen to me. 15 just in the last couple of weeks. I've got 20-something on my list from the beginning of the new year. Within the last two weeks. Can I, can I just be honest? And some of y'all know I'm talking to you. 99.9% .9 of the things that's been brought to my attention ain't nothing but crybaby stuff. I don't know how else to tell you. It's crybaby stuff. It's stuff that should not be bothering you. Are you with me? Don't let everything bother you. Nothing shall offend you. That's how I want to live. But Josh, I don't know how you make it, how you do it. I just said I love the Lord and love His Word. And if everybody else wants to raise hell and lose their mind, have a time. I'm just going to do what I do. That's how I keep myself sane. Crybaby Christianity. I've got a whole lot here and I ain't going to get to say none of it because I'm out of time. Matter of fact, I'm just going to stop right there. I mean, I seriously, i got a whole bunch more to say. So maybe I'll get to it Sunday night or something. Uh, but let me ask you something tonight, and I'm done. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend thee. Be honest. Do you really have great peace? 
If you don't, can I tell you probably why? Number one, you, you don't love His Word the way you think you do. Or you say you do. Because if you really loved His Word and loved Him genuinely with all your heart, you know what you'd have? Great peace. And you would not be bothered and offended by anything. How many of y'all have been in the spot where you were close to God and something really did just land all over you in church? May have been preaching, may have been something somebody else said or done. And normally it would have bothered you, but you look back on it and you say, man, that didn't, that didn't seem to bother me then. What's the difference? He's walking in the Spirit, not the flesh. This is real simple, practical stuff. But Brother Tay, fact is, if we don't walk in the Spirit and we are in the flesh, we're going to get offended. We're going to get offended. Preaching's going to offend you. People's going to offend you. Problems are going to offend you. But you don't have to live that way. When you live all the time being on the defense and all the time being offended, you don't, know, you don't have peace. You're always worried about what so-and-so said or what so-and-so done or what so-and-so thinks or how you're going to get out of this or how you're going to create that. Are you all with me? You will drive yourself absolutely nutty if you, don't know, if you do not have the peace of God. How do you get it? Don't be a crybaby Christian. Take preaching and say, man, that was tough. But it's right. If it comes from here, look here. If it comes from here, it's right. If I say or do something, and I ain't never back down from this. I'm about done. If I say or do something, and I don't have Bible behind what I'm saying or doing, then it ain't nothing but my opinion. You don't have to listen to my opinion. Amen. I mean, we live. We live. There's a side to this independent Baptist. There's a side that they preach Bible, and then they also add to the Bible, preach their opinion and their convictions and what they think. And bless God, they enforce that just like they do doctrine. You're not in one of those churches. I said this the other day to, on a messenger or something. I don't remember even what it was about, but I remember typing this. You have freedom of choice. Oh, the COVID thing. You have, you have, you have choice. I believe in free choice. You have choice when it comes to this. Has God ever made any of you all? Has He ever force-fed this and made you live it? You got free choice. But here's the deal. Your choices always have consequences. If you live always offended, you're never going to have peace. But if you'll fall in love with the Word of God and just let it roll off like water off a duck's back, listen to me. You can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Say, I can't believe brother so-and-so did that the other day. That was pure ignorant. Let them be ignorant. You ain't coming to church for so-and-so. Help me somebody just for the last few minutes here. When somebody stands up and says we've done something stupid, don't let it bother you. Say, well, here's, here's the famous words of my, my preacher brother, Tori Dismute. This is his famous words. When things go sideways and get crazy, he'll say, well, that was goofy. And it's over. I'm telling you the truth. Miss Heather would tell you, she said, I've never met a man like him. He don't get bothered, moved, upset, panic attack, nothing. He's always just chilled out. Now, I'm not to that point yet, but I want to be. I want to be. I had a small meltdown last night, didn't I, Amy? I was ready to burn church down and get me an RV and go to the Bahamas and be a missionary. Somebody say amen. I was, man. Because I let all those things, those 15 things, crash on me at once. 
And I was thinking about them all, and I'm thinking, I can't fix none of these, these issues. And then the Lord reminded me on my way home, hey, Goofy, I didn't call you to fix them. So you know what I've decided? Until God lifts me in a cloud and moves me down the road somewhere, my determination is just keep doing what I'm doing and die doing what God's called me to do. And if y'all, listen to me. I'm being honest. I'm pouring my heart out to you. If y'all want to be stupid, be stupid. If y'all want to be silly, be silly. Y'all want to be sinful, be sinful. Only thing I can control is what takes place on the inside of these four walls. And outside of that, you're your own person. You're your own Christian. And I am not going to allow the crybaby Christianity mentality affect me and what God's called me to do. Are you with me? If I don't run to your beckoning cry, that's okay. If I need to be there, I will. But a lot of times, it don't require me. It requires somebody to get along with God and say, Lord, I need help. But they don't want to do that. Yeah. Amen. I know this is kind of strong. But if you listen to what I'm saying tonight, it'll help you. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Let's all stand, Brother, Brother Eric, gets a song of invitation. Lord, we love you. Thank this day. Thank the opportunity to preach. Pray God that you'd help your church tonight. Bless the invitation, please. In Jesus' name, amen.